When my uh, two little girls were very tiny, my wife Jennifer and uh, our babysitter, they all left me to go to Minneapolis, Minnesota for a medical conference. Now, this was the first time that they had left me for several days. Now, most of the time, I am not a person who gets very anxious or overwhelmed with my family leaving me. Uh, most of the time, I'm pretty chill, and I don't get very fearful or very paranoid that they might not be around. But for some reason, because it was this first time, I was a basket case. I was totally freaked out, and I was afraid. And the day before they got on a plane to fly to, Min- uh, to Minnesota, uh, I started having these thoughts in my head. Thoughts like this. What if the plane crashes? What if they have something horrible happen to them and they are no longer able to be around? What if, you know, I never see them again? And maybe the biggest question, who will cook the lasagna? You know, and so I had all of these thoughts like going in my head and they get in our car and the day of they're driving away and my two-year-old's like waving and like, Bye, Daddy, from the car. And I've got to be the big tough guy. And so I'm like, hey, see you guys. I won't miss you at all. And as soon as the bumper was uh, in the back, and that's all I could see, I just started bawling like a little baby. You see, that was the first time in my life that I had ever kind of gone through this as a husband and a father of realizing that family feelings run very deep. And this kind of leads us to our uh, big question for today. If you want, you can fill it out on our app uh, there at the JAR app. And here's the question. How deep do family feelings run in your home? How deep do family feelings run in your home? Now, today we're beginning a brand new series called The Elephant in the Room. And what we'll be doing over the next few weeks, we'll be looking at different rooms in our home and how we can be honest about it, what the elephant is in that room, and then how we can actually become healthier as individuals and families. And today, what I want to talk about is the family room. So how deep do feelings run in the family room? Well, no matter who you are, the truth is, is that family feelings run deep in many different directions. Sometimes when we're in our home, when we're in our family home, we feel very loved and we feel healthy and there's giving that's taking place. And we're in the midst of that. There's a sense of security and that we're all in it together. But other times the family just kind of malfunctions. And things don't go so well, and all of a sudden, people start getting angry and bitter, and there's resentment and rejection, and all of a sudden, we start feeling just a little bit more insecure. Now, since the beginning of this teaching, I'm sure that many of you have not been looking at me as much as you have been looking at our prop. Our prop of a teeter-totter, where there are two key words that I want you to think about today and hopefully apply by the end of the teaching, love and limits. Now, 
This teaching is on the family room. But the truth is, these two words that we have right here, love and limits, are important for every relationship. So if you're single, or if you're married and you don't have kids, or if you're a grandparent, or if you're a student, or if you're a uh, person who is a parent, but you're parenting older children now, love and limits are essential for every single relationship. Every relationship needs both love and limits. Dan Allender, who's a uh, Christian psychologist and a great Christian author, I'd encourage you to read any of his books, Dan Allender, he, he says this, that every child grows up with two kind of core questions that they ask every single day. The first question is, am I loved? And the second question is, can I do anything I want? Uh, the first question is, I, am I loved? And the second question is, can I do anything I want? And Dr. Allender says this, parents must remove any doubt that lingers in a child's mind about these two core questions. So if you're a parent of a small little child, when little Billy comes to you, or if you're a parent of a very adult child, when big Billy comes to you and they ask you, am I loved? You say, yes, massively, absolutely. Can I do anything I want? No, you can't. Don't even think about it. You can't do anything you want because I love you so much and you're so treasured and valuable to me that I've got to be able to set limits. So, uh, these questions kind of lead us then to the focus of today and it's this. What do kids need? What is it that kids need? Well, first of all, as we look at our uh, prop, our teeter-totter, the first thing that kids need is they need loads of love. They need to be weighted down with love. Irrational amounts of love that pour into their life. A A kid doesn't need to be like tolerated or warmly appreciated. They need to feel cherished and loved and that they matter. Now, my wife uh, grew up in a family where the whole concept of affection was not very high on the family's uh, list. And uh, rarely did they ever kind of verbalize words like, I love you. Uh, She says she remembers that by about the age of five, she always put herself to bed. And no one ever came in and like tucked her in or let them know, let her know that she was loved. Now, it's not her parents' fault because her parents grew up in families that were the same. There wasn't much affection or love that was shared and, and it was just kind of passed on from grandparents to Jen's parents and then to her. So when we decided that we were going to have children, She let me know very clearly that she was adamant that we were going to have a structured kind of bedtime routine and that our kids would feel totally loved. And so our bedtime routine was always this way. We would go and we would read some kind of story to them, uh, typically a Bible story or some story that they enjoyed. 
And then we would pray with them. And then we would just let them know how much they were loved. And I started something when they were very early. The last kind of thing that I would say to them uh, before uh, I walked out of the room is I would say, Jordan, Shiloh, if I had to line up all the little girls in the world, I would choose you number one to be my daughter. And when I would say to them, they would smile and they'd be so excited. Well, now they're 13 and 11. We still put them to bed quite often. And when we do, I do the exact same thing. And when I look at them now and I go, Jordan and Shiloh, you are so loved. If I had to line up all the little girls in the world, I would choose you number one to be my daughter. They roll their eyes. They're like, what? Would you just get out of here? I just want to sleep, you know. But I'm not going to stop at ever continuing to build into them how incredibly loved they are. You see, this is the thing that I realize about little girls and regular sized girls and big girls and every daughter that I know is that they long to be loved by their father. They long to be loved by their dad. That's why I think in some ways each human being longs and desires for a relationship with the God of the universe who is your loving heavenly father. Even if your earthly father was not loving or caring, there is a father who loves you and gives irrational amounts of love to you. And it's so essential for us to do that. So today, parents, regardless of how old your kids are, remind them today that you love them. Now, kind of the other part of the equation or the balance beam is limits. Limits are essential in every parenting relationship. The problem is is that limits sometimes become much more difficult for you and I to actually encourage within our parenting peace. Parents, guardrails, limits, uh, boundaries are essential for raising healthy children. The Bible tells us that that little bundle of joy that you brought home, once you get them home, they are going to become rebellious. They're going to become self-centered. They will think only of themselves. And so you have to consistently and straightforwardly work at being able to place limits in their lives. Because if you don't, there will be a boatload of hurt going forward. In fact, the Bible says this, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child and discipline is necessary to drive it out. Folks, I don't think most parents realize how difficult this limits kind of thing is. I mean, it's it's extremely difficult in the culture that we live in right now to place limits, especially when uh, we're wanting to keep our kids safe when it comes to the virus and wearing masks and that kind of thing. And it's very hard for us to kind of take this balance beam and actually get it to a point where it's balanced, where love and limits are balanced together. I mean, most parents these days are really, really heavy, actually more on the love side. I mean, it's much easier to love whether we do it through words or actions or buying them things. 
And the love side, I found for many parents today, they're doing a good job. But at the same time, if you ease off the limit side, I'm telling you, you are setting your kids up for disaster. And many parents, for some reason, struggle to have courage, including this parent, to have courage and to set boundaries. You know, growing up as a kid, uh, my parents, unlike Jen's, were very loving. They, like, poured tons of love uh, into my life. And as I walked through life, uh, I had a very high self-esteem. I knew I, lo- I was loved, I was cared for, I was valuable to them and to God. But when it came to the limit side, when it came to some kind of discipline, when it came to being able to place some boundaries, my parents were not that good at all. And it affected me later on in life with time management, follow through, discipline, difficult things that were hard for me to overcome both as a teenager and as a young adult. I mean, I can still remember uh, after my brother and I would have an act of disobedience, which only happened once a week. It happened a lot more than once a week, okay? It happened on the hour almost when we would have these acts of disobedience. My dad would finally lose it, and he would just kind of start to yell, and he would go, you are grounded for the next two weeks. And then in two days, we were out riding our bikes. Because this is what was true about my dad. He didn't want to be in the same house with my brother and I for two weeks. Nobody could be in the house with my brother and I for two weeks. In fact, when they would have babysitters, we tortured them so much that we've had to repent for all the things that we've done to them. I mean, it was just bad. So they would just keep pouring love and love and love and love and more love and more love and more love. But the problem was the limit side was out of balance and it wasn't there. And the limits were rarely enforced. Folks, Scripture teaches that no matter how much love you place into a child, he or she desperately needs limits and boundaries and discipline. In fact, we need that for all areas of our life. Remember that verse that I shared with you earlier? Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, and discipline is necessary to drive it out. It's discipline. It's setting the limits and enforcing them that drives foolishness out of our children. Not pouring just more and more love. So, here's the question that I have for us this morning. Why do parents lighten up on the limits? Why is it that as parents we tend to lighten up on the limits? Well, there's a couple of reasons, and the first one, I would say, is exhaustion. It just gets very exhausting to keep up on the limits. In fact, a Newsweek article entitled, How to Say No to Your Kids, Setting Limits in an Age of Excess, it speaks to this issue of exhaustion. It says this, Today's parents put in more hours on the job than ever before. At the end of a long work week, it is tempting to buy peace in the family with a yes rather than to mark precious family time with conflict. Would anyone agree with that? You get to the end of the week, yeah, 
Every parent knows this, right? You get to the end of the week and you're just like, I'll do anything to keep peace. It goes on to say this. In the vast majority of American families today, both parents work outside the home and they work very long and very hard. After a 10-hour work day and a uh, nerve-jangling commute at the end of the day, what parents can summon is not the necessary energy to make Jack and Jill towing the line and doing their chores, finishing their homeworks. A much easier plan is just to go ahead and order pizza, sit down on the couch, and veg out in front of the TV because everybody in the family is exhausted. Now, in case you didn't know, it takes a lot of energy to enforce limits. It takes Tons of energy for a parent or any relationship to enforce when there's limits. And so I just want to say for those of you who might be at a critical child rearing era of life. Parents finally have to say when it comes to work enough is enough. That I'll actually not take the promotion. I'll actually not work the overtime because I've got to have energy as a parent. I mean, and for all parents, we've got to pay kind of close attention to how much sleep we're getting. If you're not getting regular sleep, you're not going to be a good parent. And also when it comes to eating healthy and exercising regularly. So we have to have energy to pour into ourselves and do these things so that we can pour that kind of love into our kids. We've got to also have the energy to actually enforce the limits that we have and the boundaries for our children. You need energy to be an effective parent. There's kind of a chilling story in the Bible about a guy by the name of David. He was a great military and political leader. You might remember the story that at one day he was a small little shepherd boy. And then one day he got this rock and he took down this big giant. And then eventually he became the king of Israel. And in the midst of uh, this kind of uh, role to fame, he was amazing as a godly man and as a political leader. But he didn't do so well as a dad. It seems he poured all of his energy and all of his effort into his work as a political and military leader, but he rarely enforced limits with any of his children. And so near the end of his life, one of his sons, Adonijah, does this scandalous thing. He uses his good looks and his swag to try and overthrow his, bro- his father And to attain the throne. Even to the point of being willing to kill him. And in the midst of this story, there's a comment that comes out about the parenting techniques of David over the years. It says this. David had never... And what's the next word? What's the word? He had never interfered... With Adonijah by asking, why do you behave the way that you do? David never interfered with his son. 
from the time he was a very small child to where he was a teenager, I'm sure that he kept pouring tons and tons and tons of love into his son's life, but he never interfered. He never really interfered, the scripture says. He never like looked at the attitude and said, you need to change this. He never looked at his 13-year-old. I've got a 13-year-old. Sometimes the attitude is, yeah. And so you got to correct that. But David didn't. And he never set or enforced any of the kind of necessary things into his son's life to get the foolishness out of him. And then the boy became a man. And he does this scandalous thing. And he places embarrassment and shame on his family. You see, folks, if you take this limit side and you always are easing up on it and you're giving up on it, you will create pain and disaster potentially later on in life. And it's imperative for you not to give in to that. So parents, I just want to encourage you today, and I'm not beyond pleading or asking you to do this. I'm just begging you to manage your energy enough so that you can pour out tons of love into your kids, but you also can balance the teeter-totter in such a way that you can enforce the limits as well. Because parenting can be exhausting. So, exhaustion is one of the things why parents lighten up on the limits. A second thing is what I call emotional neediness. Emotional neediness. Now, what do I mean by this? What I'm saying is that every parent likes to be liked by their kids. Deep in the heart of every single loving parent, there is this looming fear that if we weigh down the limits too much on our child, they are not going to like us. And one day when we set a boundary, they're going to look at us and they're going to say, I hate you. I don't want to talk to you again. And they run and they stomp and they go out of the room. And sometimes as parents, we just are like, I don't want to be rejected that way. I don't want them to withdraw from me. I mean, many parents can't bear the thought, if I enforce the limits, maybe little Liam will get upset with me. So what happens is that parents become so concerned about being rejected or not receiving the approval of their children that this is what they do. They lower the limits. They don't weigh them down. They just lower their expectations. They make it less and less and less. And let me just say this. Parents, when your kids figure out you're doing that, they're going to play you like a violin. They'll just be like, every time you start wearing out, they're like, it's going to be a good old day. I'm going to get out of this. I'm going to get out of this. And they'll just play the violin all day long. Marsha Moritz, who's a family systems uh, counselor and expert, warns parents regularly to stop trying to be their kid's best friend. Rather, be what kids need in their growing up years. 
be a free-loving, love-giving, limit-setting parent. She says, let kids make friends with their own age. You do the only thing that God has actually called you to do in that relationship, and that is to parent them. And I couldn't agree more. One of the highest callings, if you have a child, is to be that parent. And if you've got to absorb disapproval, if they hate you for one day, guess what? You have 364 in the rest of the year. Just one day. They'll get over it. They'll move on. So you do that. Now, let me preface all of this by saying this. I'm only 13 years into this parenting thing. I have not perfected it at all. Many of you are much better parents than I am, uh, and you have much more experience than I do. But the thing is, I try to glean as much as I can, both from your successes and from your failures, and then I try not to do that again. And then I read a parenting book. Let me say this. If you're a parent and you're not reading a parenting book right now, go get one. Do it right now, in fact. Ignore the rest of the teaching. Just find a parenting book and start reading it so that you can actually, you know, get better as a parent. Don't ignore the rest of the teaching. Okay, don't do that. But I want to encourage you to do that. You know, one of the things that I was so convinced of uh, when we decided to have kids is that I had to make a priority list of my time. And so I had to realize what are the priorities that I have. And first it was my relationship with God, my relationship with my wife, my relationship with my kids, and then my relationship with you all. In fact, the the church was the lowest. And some of you are like, oh gosh, he doesn't like me. No, I love you, but when it comes to priority, it has to be God, my wife, my kids, and then the church. And I had to decide early on because I was a PK, and my dad kind of got it mixed up a little bit, is that I had to realize very early on that I was going to put my job as a parent higher than my job as a pastor. Now, again, I'm not saying that I'm a perfect parent or that Jen and I get it right all the time because we don't. There are many times that we give in. We don't have patience. We yell. We get upset. We get the priorities all mixed up and we get exhausted. But I am convinced, folks, that even in the midst of all that, it is essential for you to be able to place limits in there and to fight for it as a parent. Now, let me say one thing uh, regarding the whole concept of expressions of love. When it comes to love, this is what I'd like to say. If you're a parent or a grandparent and you haven't had some word of affection or you haven't said the words, I love you, or you haven't sent a text to your teenager to say, I love you, because they might not want you to say it out loud, okay? But if you haven't done that in the last three days, do it today. Like, don't wait. Don't wait for their response. Just do it. Say some act of love. Because I'm telling you, regardless of how old you are, and I'm 49 years old, I never get tired of my parents going, 
hey, Chris, we love you. I don't go, oh, I'm 49. Would you quit saying that? I would rather you not tell me that you love me. Uh, you know, I, I'm big boy now. I can do it on my own. No, I think every single child longs for whatever it looks like. That wording that says, if I had to line up all the little girls, if I had to line up all the little boys in the world, you would be number one. Parents, you've got to do this. Now, what happens is, is that sometimes we're raised in families where we didn't express love that much. And we're like, well, doing the love side, it's awkward for me. Like, I just feel awkward, Chris, to tell my kids that I love them in some appropriate way. Well, I've got a solution for you. Get over it. Like, get over it. I don't care if you say I love you very awkwardly. If you're like, hey, I, I love you. Then, then do it awkwardly. It doesn't matter. But words matter and pouring in love is essential. Now, for others of you, it may be the limit side. You do the love really well, but the problem is with limits, you just don't set them. You're very lenient. You let them kind of just walk all over you, and it's essential for you to do that, to set limits. Because one of the greatest gifts that you can give to your kids is clear boundaries, clear guard guidelines, clear guardrails, and limits, regardless of their age. Because sometimes when you have adult children, it's even more important that you let them know they're loved, but you set limits within them. So I want to give you some homework this week. It might be fun. It might not. But try it anyways, okay? And sometime this week, what I'd like you to do is get in your family room and ask the family to ask a couple of questions. The first question is this. What did the balance beam of love and limits look like in the family that you grew up in? So what did the balance beam of love and limits look like in your family? In your family, was it kind of weighted towards love and there was a ton of love, but the reality is there wasn't much limits? Or was the family that you grew up in, was it weighted towards limits, but there wasn't much love? Um, and how did that affect you? How has that, uh, you know, uh, how, how has that made you feel? And with your kids, it's a great way to be able to say, well, this is kind of the way it was in the family that I grew up in. And then the second question I want you to ask as a homework question is this, what does the balance beam of love and limits look like in your current family? In your current family that you're in, is it balanced like this or is it out of balance? Is it that, hey, we're showing tons of love, but there's no limits and no discipline, no follow through? Or is it so full of limits that your kids don't like to be around you because they never hear the words or feel the expression of love? And the key is, how do we get this balanced? Folks, this is the elephant in the family room. The elephant in the family room is that we struggle with balancing love and limits. But the key answer to get beyond that is if we surrender ourselves to the Father who loves to give love and limits to us, 
He will help us to have healthier families. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for every single person who's here today. I was thinking about it that for some people, maybe they walked in and they're just like, man, I just, I personally have not felt very loved by my family. And so I pray right now, God, through the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would flood each person with that feeling with irrational amounts of love. Thank you also, God, for placing healthy limits in our lives. The, the reason you give us limits or commands is not to keep us away from the fun, but to keep us healthy. God, each of us need your help in our relationships. We need your wisdom in knowing how to balance our relationships with love and limits. And so today, if you're single and you need to look at this and go, man, man, that relationship I'm in, the limits are just kind of out of whack. Then maybe you need to work through that. Maybe for some of you who are married but you don't have children, you need to maybe talk through, like, what does that look like in our marriage to have love and limits? What does that look like if we ever have children? And God, especially for the parents who are here and on the live stream, God, would you help them to adopt the balance that's needed for love and limits in their family? God, give them wisdom to know how to do that well. Help us in each of our families this week, God, to ask these questions and to be honest enough and open to discuss them. Now, maybe for some of you, uh, you're sitting there or you're watching this on the live stream and you think to yourself, well, the truth is, Chris, I don't think there's a God who could give that much rational, irrational love to me. I think that if you looked rationally at my life, Chris, I don't deserve it. I've messed up too much. And I just want you to know that if you're thinking that way, you're thinking the wrong way. Because the truth is, is that God is incredibly in love with you. And he gives irrational love to you, regardless of your past. And so right now, if you're at a point either here in the auditorium or on the live stream where you're like, I, I want him in my life. I need him in my life. I, I need his love. And, and also I do need some of his limits because uh, my life is just kind of out of whack right now. I'm going to invite you in a prayer. And it's not a prayer that you pray by yourself, but we pray here in community as a church family. And so I invite you now to simply repeat after me this prayer. Heavenly Father, Today I give my life to you. Jesus, save me from my sins. Make me brand new. Help me to receive your love and limits. Fill me with your spirit so I can know you, follow you, and serve you for the rest of my life. My life is not my own. Today I give it to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. 
Amen. Hey, I just want you to know that if you said that prayer for the very first time, all of heaven is celebrating with you, and we want to help you as well. If you just kind of tap on that raise button, uh, raise hand button that's on your screen, uh, one of our hosts will encourage you with that. If you need prayer for anything, our hosts are there to pray for you as well. And for those of you who are here in the auditorium, if you said that prayer for the very first time, uh, again, all of heaven is celebrating with you. We have a free gift for you. And uh, when you walk out at the guest connections table, we actually have a gift. We want to celebrate you uh, with that. Uh, if you need prayer for anything, down here in the bottom of the auditorium in the back right corner, there's kind of a prayer area and someone would love to pray with you in a, in a private way. Um, Otherwise, if you can just hold tight just for a second, and uh, we'll dismiss you here by Rose to practice some good social distancing and uh, for you to be able to be safe. Um, When you walk out, there'll be two boxes uh, that are for your Connect cards. So if you would, if you have any prayer requests or you're here for the first time or uh, you'd like to give some information, just go ahead and put that in there. If you would like to give an offering of any kind to kind of help, uh, that'd be great as well. Uh, This week, this is what I want you to know, that love and limits are what God wants every relationship to be balanced with. And I pray that you would do that. And as you do, that you would become healthier as families and in every relationship you're in. Know that whoever you are, wherever you're at right now, that you are loved by us. Have a great week, everybody, and we'll see you next week. Thanks, everybody.